Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. I've titled today's message, The Who, The When, The How, The Why. Sounds, sounds very educational, doesn't it? The who, the when, the how, the why. But we think about worship and what it looks like. I, I often think about, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what is heaven going to be like? Have you ever thought that yourself? I wonder what heaven is going to look like. One thing I'm certain of is that worship is going to be a large part of what heaven looks like for us as believers. But I'm also aware that the Apostle Paul said that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined the things that God has in store for those who love Him. And isn't that an amazing promise for us as His children as well? That whatever we can imagine heaven looking like, whether, you know, worship is going to be a part of that, but whatever we can imagine, God's got something even greater in store for us. So worshiping God is, is a fundamental part of what we do as believers, but also what we're going to do when we leave this world and spend eternity with our Father. The novelist David Foster Wallace, uh, some of you may have known this, the life of this man, he was quoted as speaking these words uh, to the 2005 graduation class at Kenyon College. He said, there is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. It's a, it's a very telling uh, quote, but he went on to say this, and I'm just going to leave that one on the screen for us. It says, and the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else that you worship will eat you alive. So true. If you worship money and things, if they are where your real meaning in life is, then you'll never have enough, never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, you'll end up feeling weak and afraid, and you'll need even more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is they're unconscious. They are default settings. Come back to that quote again. There is, there is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. As we look around this world, we see that there are many aspects to people's lives and the things that they hold dear to them. You know, the Bible tells us that where your heart is, your treasure is also. But I'm so aware that there are so many people that are driven in this world to worship things apart from God. Know this that each one of us was created to worship. And that's why we have this desire within us to want to worship something greater than ourselves. And so this morning when we think about the who that we get to worship, for us the who is God. God is the source of our worship. God is the one that we want to give praise and glory to. You may recall in Matthew's gospel, uh, Jesus himself was baptized by John and his disciples. And as Jesus came up out of the water, the, the, uh, the voice from heaven came and said, This is my dearly beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And directly after we read that text, we find out that Jesus was uh, taken away into the wilderness 40 days, uh, fasted, no food, no water, a, m- a remarkable feat that he undertook upon himself. But he was 
taken out into the wilderness where Satan was going to come and tempt him. And Satan comes and tempts him in, in three different ways. You can imagine how hungry you would have been after that amount of time, 40 days without out food and water, how thirsty you would have been. And first of all, Satan comes to him and he says, you know, tell these, if you really are the son of God, tell these stones to turn into loaves of bread. And Jesus gives a, a very good reply and says, you know, it's not right for man to live by bread alone, but by every word that is spoken from God. So we live on the word of God. And, and the second temptation came along, taken to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem. You know, and, and, and he says to him again, if you really are who you claim to be, you know, jump off. Let the people see that you are the, 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 the king, the, the, the savior that you purport to be. Let everybody see that for themselves as you descend and you don't die when you fall down or whatever the case might have been, whatever the reasoning behind that was. But, you know, Jesus says that you must not test the Lord your God. And we get on to the third temptation and we're going to pick this up in Matthew 4 and verses 8 to 11. And it says here that, reading out the New Living Translation, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Jesus said, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels come, came and took care of Jesus. See, whenever we make a conscious decision to worship and put our trust in God alone, his presence and power are released to effect a change in our circumstance. Whenever we can be people that say, you know, I'm not going to be drawn to worshipping other gods. I'm not going to be drawn to worshipping people even. You know, some people just follow people. I've, I've got a confession to make that, that when I grew up in my teenage years, I had an obsession with the Beatles. Like, I, I just really identified with their music and I started learning their songs and, and you know, even started toying with different concepts and ideas that were in their lyrics and all this sort of stuff and and after a while I, I kick-started my faith journey and uh and I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me you've got to you've got to let that part of your life go and I really made this this whole group of the fab four you know such a part of my life that it was something that I just had to let go and I had records, I had albums and things, I had posters on the wall and so I went around and started taking these posters down off the wall. I started, you know, passing on the, the, well, I actually had a 45. Can you believe it? I gave away a 45. Anyway, the things you do because, because God says it's the right thing to do, right? I had, I had a 45 with um, Taxman and She's a Woman on the A&B side and it's like, oh, I wonder what that could be worth today. But Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. When God says to do something and when we're, when we're exposed and made vulnerable like that, I encourage us, church, to really dig deep and allow Him to show us those areas of our life where perhaps we're putting people or things above Him. We certainly uh, saw that in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, in the book of Daniel. And, uh, you know, these, these three men had such great devotion to the God of Israel, that there was nothing that Nebuchadnezzar could bring upon them that they would say, I'm not going to bow down and uh, it's just not going to happen. Not this day, not any day is it going to happen. Am I going to bow down and I'm going to worship any other God than the God of Israel? And in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16 to 18, the voice puts it like this, Nebuchadnezzar, 
We have no need to defend our actions in this matter. We are ready for the test. If you throw us into the blazing furnace, then the God we serve is able to rescue us from a furnace of blazing fire and release us from your power, your majesty. But even if he does not, O king, you can be sure that we will still not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue you erected. See, these guys knew that the command over their life was to put no other God in front of their God. And perhaps there will come a day where, you know, uh, who knows, in, in our generation, where we may be forced to do something against our will. We've already seen things happen in the past, but in terms of worshipping an idol, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a time when, when we'll be, be uh, I guess, tempted to compromise whether it is the God of the Bible that we worship or we worship something else. And I trust that our faith will be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and we say that I will not bow down to any other God. I will not bow down to any other idol, that I will worship the Lord my God and Him alone. So the who that we worship is God and God alone. The when. So when do we worship? I'm going to say always. <laughs> we always worship. Actually, I was just reminded this morning about a, a storybook by Dr. Zeus, Green Eggs and Ham. Anyone remember Green Eggs and Ham? Sam, I am. He says, why, why don't you like green eggs and ham? He says, I do not like them, Sam, I am. Would you like them in a box? Would you like them with a fox? You know, see, for us, we can worship God anywhere and all the time, whether we're in a car, whether we're in the dark, whether we're in the train. Train's a good place to worship God. Hey, I've just got to say, there's no bias there whatsoever. In a train, you know, in, in the rain, in a, in a boat with a goat, it's always the right time to worship God. It is always the right time to worship Him. And um, I'm just reminded about being in a car at one stage uh, of my life. And uh, I was just finishing my apprenticeship and I'd been uh, driving over to Orange to participate in a, a national work skills competition. And I had Ron Cannoli playing in the car. Some people might remember Ron Cannoli. If you're not, do yourself a favor and Google Ron Cannoli. And look, I, I'm a bit of a crier when it comes to worship. So I've, I've, I'm very, <sighs> I get very emotional. Um, I'm sorry if you don't like emotions, but I get very emotional. And uh, I was driving over to Orange this one day and Ron Cannoli was playing and there was a particular song on. And all of a sudden, I just felt like God's presence just absolutely filled the car. And I'm like, oh God, you're so good. This is before Bluetooth, mind you. And so I'm thinking, what are these people thinking that are driving past the other direction? This guy's just absolutely lost it. But see, we can, we can worship God in the car. We can worship God in the tractor. We can worship God wherever we find ourselves. There's always a reason and opportunity to worship Him. So it's always the right time to worship. Psalm 63 and verses 4 to 8 says, I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer, you satisfy me more than the richest feasts. How good is that? I'll praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I'll sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. The Passion puts it like this, verse 4. It says, I will bless you 
every time I take a breath. I, I will bless you every time I take a breath. How, how amazing is that, that every time that we take a breath, every, everything that we do, that we can be reminded that we're here because we love God and God loves us and that we have an opportunity to worship Him. You know, I've even found that you can worship God while you're working. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You can be vacuuming. You can be doing mowing the lawn. And you can be worshiping God while you're doing that. Thanking Him for the creation. Thanking Him for the grass that you get to mow every week when it's growing season. And You know, there's so many things that we can and so many opportunities we have to worship God. So we've spoken about the who. We've spoken about the when. What about the how? I want to suggest with all we have. We worship God with all that we have. Whatever He has gifted us with, whatever He's imparted into our lives, we worship God with that and we worship out of that. I like this quote from Greg Laurie and he says, Worship is more than just singing. It's more than just praying. It's more than just closing your eyes. Worship is not just lifting your hands. It's lending your hand to someone in need. See, sometimes we can think that worship is an event. It's something that happens here on a Sunday morning between, you know, 10 o'clock and half past-ish. But worship is not just an event. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is something that, that we take with us wherever we go. And so how do we worship? I want to suggest that we worship God with whatever He's given us to worship Him with. Whatever talent, whatever gift, whatever thing He's placed in your heart, you know, whether it be generating finances for the kingdom of heaven. Maybe it's that you're an artist. Maybe it's that you're a motor mechanic. Maybe it's that you're a panel beater. Maybe it's you're a teacher. Maybe that you have some other gifting or talent that God's placed upon you. Maybe you're an encourager. Maybe you like hospitality. You can use all those things that God's given you to worship Him as, a, as an expression of your worship to God. And I believe that's the way that he would want it to be for us, that we don't compare ourselves and say, well, you know, if, if I could only have this amazing vocal or if I could only just be able to mix colors and make a painting or whatever it might be, God's gifted you in a certain way and we can use that in his expression of our worship to him. I believe that God invites us to use our gifts, to express praise to him, especially when we use them with a grateful and joyful heart. We've got here in, in a church here in Mudgee, at One Life Church, uh, Global Care, Mudgy Crew, Christians ready, equipped and willing. And we can worship God through practical things as well. You know, I think God's just as much practical as He is spiritual as well. You know, the, the Bible talks about, you know, being able to show faith and, and works and how they both work together, you know. And so we have opportunities as believers to be able to bless other people. And that quite often means doing practical things. And so I want to encourage us to think about what that looks like for our lives as well. It could be the proverbial baking of the cake for someone. You can worship God while baking a cake and blessing someone else with it. We've got a neighbor across the road, Anne. I don't know if she's still here with us today. Blessed us with some drumsticks this week. Beautiful. Thank you, Anne, for your Chinese drumsticks. Could highly recommend them. You know, worship is practical, as I said. It's not just singing, but it's also serving. I want us to be aware, though, that we can, we can use our talents with an attitude of praise to God or for self-aggrandizement. And we often see this in the world. I, I often think about some um, musicians and singers and performers, particularly because I like music myself, and I often think about the crazy talent that some people have. Some people that can just, you know, 
hear something for the first time or they can create a song and, and they've got amazing ability on a guitar or, you know, a saxophone or whatever the instrument might be. And it's like, it's almost like it's, it's God-given. And I would go so far as to say that God does gift people, whether they are believers or not. And I believe that, that, you know, God would want us to use those things to give Him glory, to give Him praise. Whatever it looks like for you, whatever those things that God's placed in your heart, we can use them for self or we can use them for His glory. And so God has blessed us with many different talents and abilities. And the other aspect of our worship as well and thinking about our how to worship, I believe that worship is also sacrificial. Because quite often when we do things for the Lord, it's often, uh, it's, it's well and truly on His agenda, let me say that. I, I could have my own agenda and I could have my own things that I want to get done for the day. And yet I have an opportunity to represent Him and to worship Him and as an act of my worship to serve somebody else. And quite often I find, and I, I often say it, that it'll always come at a time that's not always convenient. Or, or I may be a little bit short this week as well, but I feel the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to bless this person in this way. I want you to do this. I want you to do, you know, and we have this opportunity to respond to Jesus in faith, to respond to Holy Spirit in faith with those things. But it's often sacrificial because Paul says here in Romans 12, 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. It says here, this is truly the way to worship him. Wow, sacrifice is truly the way to worship Him. You know, as we come and we, we give our life to Jesus, we literally hand our life to Him. The Word tells us that it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in and through me. And so as believers, I, I feel that sometimes we probably don't think about this in terms of the Old Testament, when they used to sacrifice things, you know, a bull or a calf or whatever it was that was sacrificed on the altar, that whole part of that beast went up. There was, there was nothing left. The whole thing belonged to God. The aroma that went up from up to heaven, everything belonged to God. There was nothing left over. There was a total uh, uh, transfer of that, of that beast or that animal. And I just believe that God wants us also to see that in our lives, that when we do something, it's sacrificial. It's, it's a handing over to Him. It's a, a yielding to Him. God, I belong to You. God, I, I, I yield to You. I, I surrender to You. I, I give myself as a living sacrifice to You. And I often think, was this the same heart that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego took into that fiery furnace that it doesn't matter what's left over? God, I belong to You. Do with me as You seem fit. God, I just desire to worship you and worship you alone and to do it with all that you have given me. The why. So we thought about the who, the when, the how, the why. Believe it or not, it's what God asks of us. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. See, I believe that, that worship in our lives can change atmospheres. It's certainly been my experience myself. 
when I found myself in, in a time of challenge and, and, and it feels like that things are just crushing in around about your life and there's pressure and, and there's a, a, a not knowing, there's an unknowing part about us. I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to resolve this. I don't know what the answer is. And we come and we, we bring ourselves to a place where we can come and worship God. And allow him to be the preeminent one in the situation and in the circumstance. King David was very good at this. And there's many Psalms that have been written that we can, we can refer to. But we come to a place and we go, you know, Jesus, God, I'm at, I'm at the end of myself here. And I, I don't know what else to do but to worship you. And you know what? I've seen atmospheres change around about my life. When I've decided to come and allow him to be the preeminent one in this situation or this circumstance and allow his presence just to come and embrace our lives or my life at these, these particular points in time. But, but God, I believe that as we worship, we can change atmospheres or he can change the atmosphere. And we get to be people that can be a part of that and allow his glory to shine around. You know, you might remember the story of King Saul in the Bible and who knows King Saul messed up on a number of occasions. <laughs> King Saul, he, uh, he offered a sacrifice that he wasn't meant to offer. He, he got impatient. He couldn't wait for the prophet Samuel to come. And he got toeier than a Roman sandal, as the saying goes. And Where did that come from? I don't know. The New Testament. There you go. He was ahead of his time. <laughs> but he got impatient. And God wasn't happy because there was an order for doing things. And then they went up and there was, there was an, a, a war that was being uh, raged against the Amalekites, I think it was. And, and, and he, he didn't kill everybody. He, he saved the king. And Samuel said, why have you done such a wicked thing? And, and so Saul, he disappointed the Lord. And, and, you know, eventually the kingdom was taken away from him. But what we do find is we find young David who was a skillful, skillful musician, was brought in because God had allowed a tormenting spirit to come around about Saul, King Saul. And whenever David came in and played this instrument, it would soothe Saul. And see, worship has the potential to change the atmosphere. Whatever is going on in your life, I encourage you to be a person that makes worship such a part of your life. That if you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance where you don't know or there's pressures come around, allow these opportunities to be time where you can put on a good CD. I'm showing my age. Get onto Spotify and find a playlist. There you go. Now I'm being more modern. Find a playlist and, and put in there, you know, worship or meditation on God. And you'll find that there'll be a plethora of stuff that's there and, and you can just tap in and allow the presence of God to come around about your life another example of that was King Jehoshaphat you know he, he was uh, concerned because there were invading armies that were coming around um, and uh, they didn't know what to do Judah didn't know what to do at that time and so King Jehoshaphat ordered everyone to fast and to get down on their face before God and and to worship and uh, it wasn't long before a prophet came out and said, this is what the Lord says, the battle is not ours, it's his. And what did King Jehoshaphat do? He sent out the sacrificial musicians. No, he didn't. But he did. He put the musicians and the singers out in front of the army. And it says 
actually in second chronicles chapter 20 and verse 22 at the very moment they began to sing and praise see that at the very moment they began to sing and praise the lord caused the armies of ammon moab and mount seir to fight against themselves let me tell you friend that when we worship amazing things can happen amazing things can shift in the realm of the spirit see even when we feel helpless or are helpless our god is not we can feel that there's nothing less for us to do and can i suggest that's a pretty good place where god can work with you when i come to the end of myself we get to that place where we come to the end of ourselves and we say god i just i just need you it's a place where god wants to take us to it's a place where god does his best work in our lives and I want to encourage us as a church to be a worshipping church, to be people that can come together corporately like we've done here this morning, but also in our own personal lives, be people that can see whatever God has gifted us with is an act of our worship to Him. You know, it's something that we get to do in this life that we also get to take into the next life. Isn't that pretty cool? There's, there's not much that I believe that we'll be taking from this life, but I do know what we will be taking. We'll be taking our worship into His presence, into all eternity. We'll be ones that will worship Him. So I want to encourage this church that we can be people that worship God, but be encouraged to, to think about the way that we look at our worship as well. So we worship God. He's the how. He's the, he's the who, sorry. You know, we can worship always. You know, when is it right? It's always right to worship Him. We look at the how. There's so many different ways that we can worship Him. And why? Because our God is worthy of all our praise. Amen. How worthy of our praise is He? We're going to praise Him some more in this place this morning. And, uh, and I'm going to pray. So, Father, we just want to thank You for Your presence. We thank You, Lord, that You're a God that, that even in Your Word, You declare that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And, Father, as the band of been playing this morning i thank you lord god that there's things that have been broken off people's lives today and perhaps there's people that are listening to this today who are hearing my voice today and and perhaps you know there's things that you're holding on to perhaps there's been areas in your life perhaps things haven't turned out the way that you expected them to can i encourage a friend to be someone that actually makes worshiping of god a priority to worship him to serve him to put him above all those situations and circumstances and, and, and those thoughts that come to flood your mind, why don't we be people that cause our attention and our focus to be on Him? And I know and I want to encourage you that as we do that, that atmospheres will change around about your life for good. So we give you all the praise and glory and honor that's due unto you, Lord. Lord, thank you that you've given us a, a voice to worship you with thank you that you've given us hands and feet thank you that you've given us everything that we have lord god that we can use that as an offering to you in this place today we give you praise in jesus mighty name amen